And we're coming to you live from the Quicken Loan Studios, National Mortgage Lender, Quicken Loans, apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. It's the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio, 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227, that toll-free line brought to you by GEICO. Switch to GEICO now. Save up to 15% in just 15 minutes on your insurance. Let's get the Matt Michelle right now. He is entrenched in everything Fiesta Bowl as LSU takes on UCF. Matt Michelle from the Orlando Center, Sentinel College football writer. Find him on Twitter, at OSU Michelle. Matt, thanks for joining us tonight. No problem. Thanks for having me on. All right, Matt, first off, UCF looking to cap off this season. They're taking on a tough LSU team. If they do it, do they fix the do they fix the press box at the stadium and like put like back to back national champs? How does this work? <laughs> you know, I don't think that Danny White will actually, you know, the UCF A D who who declared them national champs last year. I, I'm not sure if they'll do that again this year. I think that was kind of a, a special type of thing. I, I think if you get to the point where you start declaring national champions every year, I, I think it loses a little bit of the luster. Um, I think he will do something special. He's mentioned it a couple of times, obviously, if they win. I think he feels like, you know, another undefeated season just kind of validates what they've been able to do as a program. And I think it also, you know, kind of validates his push for, you know, trying to make a, a change to the college football playoffs. So um, I definitely believe if they win, he's going to do something special. And I think he's going to probably find a way that maybe it might tweak a little bit at the uh, the college football playoff selection committee. How strongly have they talked about changing conferences at UCF? You know, I, I think right now they're at this point, you know, at least publicly, they're, they're happy uh, being in the American Athletic Conference. I think obviously if the Big 12 uh, situation had happened a couple of years ago where they were talking about expansion, you know, if they had been gotten a bid, I think they would have loved to go there. They would love to get into a, a Power 5 school uh, and, and kind of prove their, their case. I mean, obviously there's a lot of benefits from it. You know, just financially alone would, would be huge boost for them, probably, you know, nearly, you know, uh, triple, maybe quadruple what they're making right now, currently in the American. Um, but right now, that's not the case. So they're kind of built, they're doing what they have to do into the parameters that they have. And I think they've been able to do that really well. I think if they can continue to stretch, maybe take it into next year as well, I think that makes them look a lot more attractive in case someone, you know, in case the landscape does change and there is going to be some sort of expansion, whether it's the Big 12 or somewhere else. Because obviously you're getting great players. You're able to finish off these seasons. If you beat LSU, you beat an SEC team, for crying out loud. And I can certainly give you a puncher's chance even without the quarterback. So if you do all that, it starts to make me think, okay. And I brought this – actually, I brought this up with Rashad Perryman. Can you believe this? <laughs> I said, could you believe that that this could be – could this be like a Miami in the 80s situation where you really build from the ground up start to groundswell in that state that has such great athletic talent and those kids know how to play the game. Do you think you could do something like this? He smirked. He was excited about the possibility, but you know, he doesn't see the landscape like you do. Do they have the resources for that? Would they have the resources for that? Is that possible? Yeah, you know, I think they've, they've done a really good job. One of the things that, that Danny White has done a really good job of is it's really fundraising. In fact, the last three or four years, they've had, each year they've had a record-setting fundraising campaign and that in turn has kind of paid off in the fact that they're upgrading facilities they're, they're currently in the process of building a new football facility they're upgrading the stadium they're putting in a recovery cove like a lazy river they call it here um that's going to be <laughs> you know attractive to to young recruits you know the the past coaching staff you know scott frost did a really good job recruiting you know orlando and the state of florida josh hype and his staff have done a good job of that doing it as well if they can continue to recruit the state of florida 
get the kids that maybe would have, you know, kind of decided, you know, at the last minute decided to go to Florida or Florida State. I think there's a possibility that they can, you know, find a way to continue this the stretch they're on. I think the challenge is going to be they're going to have to start scheduling tougher opponents. They're going to have to start scheduling more Power Five schools. And I'm just not sure if Power Five schools now, looking at what UCF has been able to do over the last couple of years, are willing to take that chance. They realize it could actually backfire them if they schedule UCF. Matt Michelle joining us. Let's stay in the state of Florida. Uh, did you hear about Mark Richt and then Manny uh, Diaz? <laughs> yeah, and it's it, 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 unbelievable when you think about it. I mean, um, obviously, you know, Mark Richt leaving or announcing his retirement, you know, and then within a couple hours, you know, Manny Diaz, who had already, you know, accepted the job at Temple, now changes his mind and decides to stay at Miami and, and, and become their head coach. It's a bizarre story, and it really kind of shows you kind of all the all the goodwill that Miami had built up over the last year or so mm-hmm. under Rick. Now you think kind of goes out the window. Even with Diaz being hired, I think it's just going to be tough for them to kind of justify, you know, all the turnover going on, uh, you know, at that school. It'll, and I feel sorry in a way for Temple, which basically had a head coach, went out and recruited, you know, started building a staff, recruited some kids, and now they've got to turn around and, and find a new head coach. Matt Michelle joining us on the show. Okay, what would you think of Notre Dame last night in that Clemson game? And then we'll obviously get to the other one. But go ahead on that one first. Well, you know, I think the, the, the concern I had for Notre Dame going into that game was, you know, they couldn't become one-dimensional. If they became one-dimensional, there was no shot of them beating Clemson. And that's just what happened. You know, Clemson's front line was too dominant. You know, they're able to get pressure on Ian Book. They shut down the running game. Um, and once they jumped out to a big lead, I just felt like Notre Dame really could never find their their, gra- their ground and their footing. They really weren't able to take advantage of that. So um, it's disappointing for Notre Dame, I'm sure. Obviously, the last time they were in a big situation was, you know, 2012 when they took on Alabama, and they got blown out in that game as well. So I, I think it's, a, it, it's definitely something Brian Kelly's got to, to think about as they move forward. Because, you know, they just got to the playoff for the first time. They wanted to make ways to continue doing that. Matt Michelle with us on the show. Well, I keep getting all these history lessons about Notre Dame and, and basically sucking up the room in the postseason, whether it be in big bowl games or whether it be in the college football playoff now. And all these folks keep saying, well, they got to join a conference. And I'm going, I don't think anybody's going to learn a lesson if they're 12-0 and next year. I think they'll still be in next year. And if they expand to eight teams a year after that, well, then, hell, they'll they'll be allowed to have one loss and they'll still get in. I don't think any of this – Matt, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think any of this really transfers over because I'm still here in Ohio and I can't make an argument against Ohio State next year because, well, they lost by 31 to Clemson a few years ago. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think Notre Dame is going to push – I don't think – no matter what happened this weekend, or I don't think that's going to push Notre Dame into a conference. I mean, listen, they've they've – been stead, you know steadfast in the fact they don't want to be in a conference. They do a good job of scheduling Power Five opponents. Their schedule is usually one of the toughest in the country. You look at what they've been able to do. I mean, yes, it's disappointing to lose to Clemson, but again, if they go twelve and zero, like you said, there's no way they're not going to make the, the the top four again. So, I think this was a learning you know lesson for for Brian Kelly and and, and the and the team. I think they're going to continue to go out and recruit as hard as they can. And I think if they can continue to do that, they'll be right there. But I mean, again. You know, we hear this every couple of years that, you know, they talk about Notre Dame you know, joining a conference, but I just don't think that's going to happen, at least not in the foreseeable future. Maybe sometime after the current playoff uh, uh, deal is done, maybe, but I, I, I don't ever, I, you know, I just don't see Notre Dame ever doing that. Can Clemson hang with Alabama stuff next week? I think they can if they, if they play like they did against Notre Dame. If they use their, their front line, if they put pressure on Tua Tungvaloa, if they can kind of, you know, shut down, uh, the running game like they did with Notre Dame. 
you know, offensively, if Trevor Lawrence can, you know, find the holes that, that Kyler Murray, you know, wasn't able to take advantage of, um, I think they might be able to. Again, I think when you look at how Alabama's played this year, though, they've played so well. that played at such an elite level. Offensively, they look great. You know, Tua Tungvaloa said he wasn't even 100%. And if that's not 100%, I'm, I mean, it's baffling to me how well he played. Um, and, and they just look good at every spot, especially the skill position. So I think this looks to me like it's another shot for Alabama to get another national title. Matt Merchell joining us on the show at OSU Merchell on Twitter. You get a little bit bored by these matchups or do you still like them? No, I still like them. I know people have talked about that the last couple of days, you know, that, you know, this is, they're getting tired of seeing the Alabamas and the Clemsons in the title game. I mean, listen, these are the two top teams right now. I think everything in, in college football especially is, is cyclical. And I think eventually you're seeing these other programs slowly work their way into that same sort of stratosphere. You look at what Oklahoma's doing. I think they're just around the corner there. You look at what Georgia's doing. You look at what Notre Dame did. You look at some of these other programs, Michigan, Ohio State. They're just right there. I just think at this moment right now, Alabama and Clemson are playing some of the best football the last three or four years. That could change, you know, eventually. Schools are spending more money. They're out recruiting better players. I think we could see different teams in there. And, again, if they, if they do choose to expand the playoff, I think that could definitely open the door a little bit more for some change, especially in the national championship game. Oh, do you pick Alabama to win the national championship this year? Yeah, I do. I, I think they're, they're playing some of the best football right now. I mean, I think Clemson's got, you know, strong defense, probably much better, obviously, than what you saw out of, out of Oklahoma. Um, but I, I think that – you know, this is Nick Saban. I mean, this is a guy who finds a way to win games. Um, and, you know, obviously Alabama played not nearly as perfect of a game against Oklahoma. And, and you know, and I think Nick Saban is going to try to fix those kind of problems going into this next game. I give them a, a better shot of winning this game. I, I think right now we're seeing as close to a dynasty as you can when it comes to a, a, a sport like college football. So if they win, that's seven national championships overall for Nick Saban. He's 67 years old. Would he think – would you think about stepping up to the NFL if, say, Aaron Rodgers or Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold was your quarterback? You know, I, I think you would have to be at an elite job. I mean, maybe, you know, and again, it would have to be depend on whether or not he got a lot of, you know, control, a lot of power there. You know, maybe who can, who can you know, uh, hire and fire, you know, who you could bring in and sign the players. Um, he kind of did that a little bit with Miami. It didn't work out nearly as well. Um, I think if there was a challenge there and he, he wants to do that, I think he might want to do, you know, make that move. But right now, I mean, I kind of feel like why would you leave, you know, Alabama? I mean, you, you've set everything up really so nicely right now. You could probably win the next two or three national titles if you really wanted to. Hmm. Um, it's just whether or not he feels like this, this challenge has gotten old and he wants to kind of try his hand at something new. Let me throw another one in there with my bias to see if I can swing you here a little bit. Would seven national championships and one championship, but with the Browns, would that put him past Bill Belichick? You know, man. In this lifetime. Yeah, I think it could. I mean, based on what he's been able to. I mean, think about this, too. You know, NFL coaches, you know, you you go out and you spend money and the team spends money and you you sign guys and you you, you take those guys and you go out there and win. Think about what a college coach has to do. You know, you're out recruiting kids. You got to get kids in. You got to worry about the NCAA. You got to worry about you know falling the line of that. You've got to go out there and make sure you get these 18, 19, 20 year old kids. You've got to develop them into those kind of players. You've got to do that all in a shorter window, 13, 14 games now. Um, I think it's much more impressive for to see Nick Saban do something like that than a Bill Belichick because by the time he signs most of these players, they've already been developed. They're already ready to go. They're already elite players. So 
to me, I think it's more impressive, you know, to see Nick Saban do what he's done. And, and if he could do something else, you know, another championship somewhere else, I, I think it would be even astonishing to think about it. Matt, we thank you very much for the time. All the very best, my friend. Enjoy the Fiesta Bowl. Hope to run you down again soon. All right, thanks a lot. Take care. Enjoy yourself. You too, Matt Michelle, joining us, Orlando Sentinel College football writer. Find him on Twitter at OSU Michelle, 855 2124 CBS. Coming up at 11.35, p.m. Eastern. Jason Cole, fan sided editor. Coming up next, a couple of calls and five burning questions. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. 855-2124-CBS. Five burning questions coming up in a moment. I want to get to the phones here. 855-212-4227. Dave in Sacramento, you've been holding on for a while. You're first up on CBS Sports Radio. Dave, go ahead. Well, Dave in Sacramento. Dave, and uh, thanks for taking my call, Ken. Thank you. I, go uh, ahead. Calling about your comments on the Steelers. Uh, definitely a lot to unpack there, so I won't get into all of it, but uh, – Brief background, I'm a Niners fan, so I've been dealing with disappointment and uh, adjusted expectations for, well, since week three, obviously, mm-hmm. since Garoppolo mm-hmm. went down. But it's, it sounds like you might be, uh, I, I don't know your background if you're a Steelers fan at all, but it sounds like uh, you might be dealing with the, uh, the the unfortunate news that the Steelers didn't make the playoffs yourself. I, I agree with a lot of what you said, especially that I don't think Tomlin should be uh, considered for being fired. Uh, but I disagree with some of the Roethlisberger comments and mainly disagree with the uh, the comment that um, Le'Veon Bell is coming out smelling like a rose. I don't know where or how you could feel that way at all. Oh, I think I he feels that way. I, I absolutely feel he feels that way. I think I think he, he, if he would look at this. Because his team didn't do well and he's kind of rooting against them. As, oh, yeah. So they're... Failure is his success. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that doesn't, that doesn't play out logically. I mean, logically, you look, you look at it from the outside as a non-Steelers fan looking in, as though the Steelers would have been that much more successful if they had him and James Conner, who's excellent as a backup. And if any injuries would have happened, you know, they would have performed that much better, having potentially one of the top, you know, two, three, one number of running backs in the league playing mm-hmm. for them for their offense and how you view that as a success that his team didn't, I, I, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, and to him? not to mention the fact that he missed out on $14 million oh. that he'll just never get back. Oh, but, so, but he, but he, when he decided, when he decided not to come back, Dave, he made that a very personal thing. And so he's sitting out this because one, he feels like he's not appreciated. And two, he wants his lack of presence or his absence to be felt. His absence is felt. To him, it's felt. I, I don't agree with it. I'm trying to look at it from his perspective. He sat out. He made it a personal thing. So by and large, you hope that your former team now, because it's going to be former, feels your feels your absence and doesn't do as well without you and that you're a missing link. And for him, even though I will, I'll debate it, I think he'll feel like a missing link there, that he has been vindicated. And I'm sure he'll say as much when he signs with his new team, more than likely this offseason, that he was the missing link for the for the Pittsburgh Steelers to not make the postseason. Well, I don't think it's that clean. I mean, James Conner performed. I mean, they were an excellent team with James Conner performing. At, I don't think know, it is either. No, I agree with so, you there. 
and until uh, you know Connor got injured, they had problems. Now the Steelers not making the playoffs. I feel like Baker Mayfield coming into the division through a huge monkey wrench and that whole. Call. I mean that that changed a whole lot of things for you know their division is totally different than it was last year when uh, Bell was playing. But I don't see how. Bell is vindicated in any way. I mean, it's it, to oh, me. I I, I it think in his own mind that hurts him. And what happens Dave, next year? But they got to find another replacement for him. Now they've got another running back there. And Dave, and Dave, thank you very much for the call. They got Samuel in there. Obviously, I'm not saying it makes sense. I'm not saying literally that I'm on Le'Veon Bell's side and Le'Veon Bell's right. Le'Veon Bell, well, he, he's 14 and a half. He could have made 14 and a half million dollars this year plus. He didn't make that money. I don't know if he's going to make that on the open market with one of these other teams. But I think Le'Veon Bell right now feels vindicated. If either one of you guys think I'm wrong with how he might feel, please tell me. 855-2124-CBS. His team, he sat out. His team did not make the postseason. They were rolling right along. Remember, there were there were tweets and the, the, the teammates talked about him. The locker room talked about, hey, we don't need him. Don't worry about him. We don't need him. And we're, we're, we're circling the wagons with us. Okay. Then you don't make the postseason. There's no way. Guy like Le'Veon Bell, there's no way a guy like him is not sitting there tonight going, boy, could have used a running back like me, couldn't you? Yeah. There's no way he's not thinking that. And that game against Oakland, there's no way that's not going through his head. That was a personal thing. You ready to do this here, Hick? Oh, yeah. Five burning questions. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. All righty, Hick. Five burning questions. Final time ever. Go ahead. All right. We'll keep it hot right here. NFL playoff field is set as both leagues uh, have their wild card team set Chargers and now the Colts it is just finals they beat the t- uh, Titans get the sixth and final spot in the AFC NFC Seahawks and Eagles have the two wild card slots obviously those four teams very hot so here's the first question at least one of those wild card teams will make their respective championship game uh, which one was the other one because I was looking at Frank Reich and I got I, I got distracted because he looks like one of the guys on the last Alaskans. Go ahead. <laughs> you have Colts, Chargers, and AFC, Seahawks, Eagles, and NFC. At least one of those teams will make their respective championship game. Seahawks who in the NFC? Eagles. Jesus. Um. True. I think the Chargers can do it. Next. Staying with the NFL playoffs, the sixth, the sixth, excuse me, highest quarterbacks paid in the NFL. Did not make the playoffs this year. Those six quarterbacks are Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, Matthew Stafford, mm. Derek Carr. Okay. Which one of those six QBs that did make the playoffs is the biggest disappointment this year? Well, can you name like 55 different people and ask me which one of those are next? We went from four oh, to six. I, I was trying to write them down. I, gave no, you, I don't even remember who the hell they are. Slow. Aaron Rodgers. God. Matt Ryan. Okay. Matt who? who? Matt Ryan. Falcons All right. Quarterback. Yes. Kirk Cousins. Yes. Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. Matthew Stafford. All right. Derek Carr. Six highest paid quarterbacks in the league. Who's going to make the playoffs next year? No, no, no. They all missed the playoffs. Who's yes. the most disappointing to miss oh, the playoffs? The most disappointing is Aaron Rodgers. Absolutely Aaron Rodgers. 
That team was good. That, that, people picked that team to win a Super Bowl this year. It's absolutely Aaron Rodgers. You knew when John, you knew when John Gruden took over, that thing was going to be a mess. Everybody else, it's whatever. Aaron Rodgers was going to be the one. Yes. Next. Moves to college football as both of the playoff games yesterday were blowouts. Clemson beat Notre Dame thirty to three. Bama beat Oklahoma forty five thirty four. Okay, so Nick Saban, Mario Cristobal, uh, Manny Diaz. Uh, Bobby Brian Petrino, Kelly. Brian Kelly, they all walk into a room. Now, which one's <laughs> brother-in-law is going to be the next head coach at Temple? <laughs> Go ahead. Close. So that sets up now for a Bama-Clemson rematch for the fourth consecutive year in the playoff. Rematches. So the question is, rematches are bad for college football? Question mark. No. Everybody wants the best teams to play. These are the best teams to play. You got the two best teams to play. Is there any question that these two teams are head and shoulders above the rest? Georgia already had their shot. Ohio State, you would more than likely say no. Is anybody else in that mix? Nope. These are the two best teams. You wanted it this way, you got it this way. It's not their fault they're the two best teams and they're better, they're better football teams. You're mad because they're playing in the national championship. All right, well, tell Jim Harbaugh to get his head out of his ass. Tell Ohio State to continue to find a way to get better. Tell Florida State to pick up the pace on what they were doing. Tell Oregon to get back to where they're supposed to be. Get that going. Next. We'll go to a birthday as LeBron James turned 34 years old today. James, as we know, had a story career winning three NBA titles through his first 15 years in the league. Now, Ken, as you know, LeBron yeah. went to Los Angeles this past offseason. He to, did! To join a very deep Western Conference. With the competition no a lot tougher in the West, will LeBron James win another NBA championship? He's so, I don't think so. He's so proper with these questions. I do not think so. It sounds like he might be reading them. What do you guys think? That was the only one I read. All right, give me a break. <laughs> the other three were off the cuff. <laughs> this is just turned into busting hickey stones. I don't even know what number question we're on. Uh, number I four, say no. right? He walked into the arena with a glass of wine. He's retired. You walk into places with a glass of wine. You, the only way you get away with that stuff is if you're an old man. You are retired. He is retired. Next, no. All right, and finally, last one here. <laughs> we'll also celebrate another star athlete's birthday. As Tiger Woods turned 43 today. Back in September, Woods won the 2018 Tour Championship, first first win on the PGA Tour since 2013. Now, obviously, the big question surrounding Tiger is will he win another major? <laughs> this is off the cuff. I'm what not reading going this. On here? I'm sure it is. Tiger tied for sixth at the Open. For the second at the PGA Championship. So two top ten finishes in majors. Are you writing these down? The question is a the last burning the other question. Studio. Thank you for finally getting to the question. Will Tiger, you know what? Number five. Will Tiger Woods win another major? I'm not going to dress it up. All you had to do was, hey, today's also Tiger Woods' birthday at 43 years old. Will he ever win another major? I was trying to dress it up, dress, you know, provide some intrigue. <laughs> Boy, Two did top you ten major finishes, had a win was... for the first time since 2013. I'm trying. You might as well have been reading the product information to the DR Field and Brush Mower, man. Because Tiger would have turned 44 by the, end of, by, the five, by the time he was done with that. <laughs> you know, I'm done. You, you guys can do the rest of the show. I'm out We here. put him in a shell, Peter. Uh, I actually think, yes, I think he's close. I think he will win another major. I think he's playing great golf. <laughs> I think he's playing great golf. I think he'll win another major. I don't think he'll catch Jack, but I think he'll win another major. 
Yeah, that was the very best five burning questions ever. <laughs> you really think so? Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well, I've never you. heard you laugh more than you've laughed the last couple of days. Because he was killing me. Yeah. Guess he's not doing sounding off. Now. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, At least righty. Ryan is smiling. He's happy. Oh. You okay? Yeah, I'm doing well. All right. Good. I'm doing well. All righty, guys. Well, thank you very much. That is fine. Oh, the show's not over, by the way. Uh, coming up next, Jason <laughs> Cole will join us, fan-sided editor. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. <laughs> coming up at 1240 a.m. Eastern, sounding off. Which, boy, I can't wait to hear Ryan on that one. Ryan, do you have a copy of War and Peace you could read from? Okay, I'm kidding, Ryan. Look, joining us right now on the show. We got the teams for the postseason, by the way. Joining us right now on the show to talk about them. And we got some guys getting fired right now. Jason Cole joining us, fan-sided editor-in-chief. Follow him on Twitter, at JasonCole62. He's one of my absolute favorite guys to have on. Jason, how the hell are you? I'm great. How are you? Oh, I've been worse, but I have been better. <laughs> I have been better. All right. First off, uh, you got the Colts in the postseason. How big is this for Andrew Luck? Because I, I tell you, when we talk about the future of the AFC, we've been talking Mahomes and Watson, a couple other guys. Luck doesn't get brought up. And it's like, oh, yeah, Andrew Luck's really, really good. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, sort of this assumption he's there, but also this wondering is he going to be what we all thought he was going to be when he first got drafted and you know he obviously showed it and then you know he's missing for a year Mm -hmm. uh this is you know a pretty triumphant return i mean after some early season woes everybody knows about this so yeah i think this is important it's important for any player to establish themselves, you know, after uh, after an injury like that and say, yeah, he's back. He's back to what everybody expected. Jason Cole joining us on the show. So we have our standings now uh, of the playoff picture and everything of that nature. Uh, who do you think, who do you give the best shots to on either the AFC and the NFC to go to Super Bowl 53? Well, I think New Orleans is, because of the home field advantage, is overwhelming. Um uh, you know, as much as the number one seed can be, I think that the AFC is just fan. It's fascinating to me. Now, I don't think Baltimore can win it all because I just don't think Lamar Jackson can do enough. But I think he can get them, you know, through a second game. Like, he can win that first game against San Diego. Um, it's going to be tough, but he can win that game. Get him to a second game. With a little luck, get to a third game. I just don't see him winning three playoff games against this field because the AFC field, other than Lamar Jackson, when yeah. look at the quarterbacks, talked about luck, talked about Watson, talked about Mahomes, Rivers is in there, Brady's in there. I mean, that's a loaded uh, group of quarterbacks. So if Lamar Jackson survives that three games against, you know, he's going to have to go through three of those quarterbacks and good luck and good luck and God bless to you. Jason Cole joining us from Fanside. Minnesota or Pittsburgh, who was the bigger disappointment? Pittsburgh. How come? Pittsburgh, because Pittsburgh is an accumulation of like the last five or six years. Like, don't you look back at Pittsburgh and go, there should be a Super Bowl appearance or two in there. Uh, And there's not. And you just kind of go, 
how'd that happen? And, and, and you know, Mike Tomlin's a really good coach, and he, and he's been around a long time, and he's you know handled that team pretty well, but he hasn't finished the deal, and you should have finished the deal somewhere along the line. Um, you know, Minnesota has been good the last three years, and you know, heartbreak on a missed field goal, you know, things like that. But I, they, they don't have ben, they didn't have Ben Roethlisberger. You know, they got by with you know. You know, put, you know, bailing wire and string sometimes at quarterback, and then you get the Keenum. I mean, then you had Keenum last year, and this year you get the Cousins, who's a nice quarterback, but just kind of a, a derivation of Alex Smith. You know, he's like a little bit better than Alex Smith. That they're not overwhelming at that position. Pittsburgh is overwhelming at quarterback, along yeah. with the rest of their talent. Jason Cole with us on the show. I totally agree with that. Jason Cole with us, fan sided editor at Jason Cole 62 on Twitter. Is there a guy who you think is going to lose his job or has already lost his job, head coaches, and you think it's completely ridiculous? Completely ridiculous? Yeah. No, but is going to be really hard to replace? Yeah. Maybe. That's, be, that's, that's Mike McCarthy. You know, like Green Bay is going to find out that, you, you know, he – you know, he did a lot of really great things there. The problem is, you know, it's the old Larry Bird thing about how the message gets stale. Um, and, and he's right. You know, in the case of McCarthy, his message gets stale, so they need to shake up. Shake ups don't always end up going well. <laughs> so, <laughs> just, um, yeah, and that's and that's the part that Green Bay is going to have to kind of figure out, like. You you got Aaron Rodgers. You better put this thing together really quickly and have somebody who's got a really strong plan about how are you going to make sure that you take advantage of what you've got here over the next three, maybe four years with Rodgers. But, you know they're up against it with him. Yeah, Jason Cole with us on the show. What do you? What about uh, John Harbaugh? Like he can't. Steve Bashotti can't let him get away, can he? Sure he can. Because, Wouldn't that be a horrible decision? Uh, he, he, he might he might trade him. That's what I was told today. Who would you okay? Who would trade for who would trade picks for him then? Uh, Miami, maybe Denver. If so, you're Miami or Denver, uh, do you have a quarterback? If you don't have a quarterback, why am I trading picks for a head coach and a guy who they're good? He's a good coach, but he's not going to help I, me on the field. No, but you know I will say this: if you look at the history of coaching trades, they generally work. They really do. You know, like Shula, that was pretty good. Um, Gruden, that one worked out fine. Um, Dick Vermeil, pretty good trade. Yeah, it, you know, not every one of them, but they generally work pretty well. Um, yeah, but- you know, Bel- Belichick, that worked out all right. Well, yeah, and Pitts, well, they didn't know Tom Brady wasn't Tom Brady. Okay, fine, I could see that. Then. It, Jason it worked out. I'm just saying it worked out. I'm not. I'm not like trying to tell you that I predicted the future on that one. I'm just saying it worked out. Well, no, you're right about it. I just, I don't. I think that it, every situation's a little bit different. Like uh, Belichick, he gets Tom Brady. Tom Brady's great. Shula was during a different time with the Colts to the Dolphins. Well, they had great, and they, they had like they had a Hall of Fame quarterback and. You know, Gruden had Hall of Fame defensive guys, and he was a final piece. I mean, look, there, there's always that. I'm just saying that if you're going to analyze the history of trades in the NFL, trades for great coaches t- 
tend to work out because they're few and far between and their and their skills are transferable um player trades don't work out as well because uh, you know they don't last as long and their skills are not necessarily transferable to the team that's getting them like the classic one is Herschel Walker. It was a gigantic failure yeah. for Minnesota because Herschel Walker didn't fit. In, you know, like they traded for a running back who didn't work in their system. Well, I'm, I mean, you know, in hindsight's twenty twenty. If you if you look at players and you go, okay, this guy does this really well, but we don't block for that. Well, I don't know how. By the way, how could you trade five guys? If you're Minnesota, how the hell could you trade five guys with with something in there that you would just give away the pick that's commiserate to that to that player, and you would never think that he's going to cut those players that he's taken? How could you ever think that if you're Minnesota? What you just don't care because you really think you're going to win a Super Bowl with Herschel Walker? Is that it? Yeah, no, they thought that Herschel oh Walker God. was the final was the final piece. Well, then they deserve looked. what they got. That's what I'm saying. Right, I'm sorry. Right. I mean, like that. That's why they and they got. You know, it's one of the great desperate trades of all time. Who should be Minnesota's right on was right on the cusp. So Jason J- Jason Cole with us on the show. Who should be coach of the year? Matt Nagy or Frank Reich? Uh, do I get Pete Carroll in there too? You can uh, throw me. You can throw. What about what about Anthony and Lynn? Ah, okay. Give me an argument for either one of those guys over these two. Pete Carroll, they dumped how many stars off of that defense? And Earl um, Thomas gave them all the finger. Right. I mean, Earl Thomas gone, Richard Sherman gone, Cam Chancellor gone, Cliff Averill gone, Michael Bennett gone, uh, <laughs> and they won 10 games. Yeah, got to tip your cap to that. Uh, you know, Anthony Lynn playing in a stadium where you're, you know, the visiting team in your own place most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, winning a lot of close games, overcoming a one and two start. After some questions about your coaching ability the previous year when you went 0-4 to start the season, a team that seems like a snake bit and largely ignored in its own hometown, yeah, I would say that you've you've done some fairly remarkable things with that team. So I think Lynn's right up there with anybody, and I think that Pete Carroll's right up there with anybody. Matt Nagy, nice job, but I mean their defense is loaded, right? Well, I mean, but the I, Bears, the Bears winning that division. Well, I mean, look, twelve and four—that's a hell of a year. Come up with a color. look. They did a nice job. I'm not saying he's not a good candidate. I'm just saying, I, I, I think Anthony Lynn did a lot of stuff, and I think that Pete Carroll did a lot. So, it's you know, it's a, it's an interesting race among those among those four. And you had Nagy, who was your your fourth guy in that one? Mm-hmm. Did, your, mm-hmm. did you have Frank Reich? Reich. Heck of a job for for Frank Reich as well. I mean, that was one of the worst teams in the league last year, and they got better. I mean, who's the who's your like worst coach of the year? Like, who did the worst job? Like, oh, I'd have to say Hugh Jackson, right? He looked even worse because the Browns started winning without him. Yeah, Matt Patricia, though, you took a nine and seven team that was a playoff Ooh, contender. Yeah, good point. That's that's not that's not so hot. <laughs> like, that's a really good point, like, buddy. Yeah. So, anyways. 
All right, I'll take that. I like that point right there. Jason Cole joining us on the show. Are the rookie QBs of this class, who are you the most excited about at the end of the regular season going into their futures? not be excited about Baker Mayfield? Well, I decided to ask the question, but if I said, hey, are you excited about Baker, right? I'd be a homer. You know that. I know. Well, I'm playing playing the radio host card, okay? (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I'm trying to transfer roles here. Um, (laughs) I mean, God. He's, I mean, Baker Mayfield's just awesome. Like, he's, he's a really great player who's got chutzpah, right? Uh, he's probably not, he's, I, I'm, I'm not, he's not Jewish, but he's got chutzpah, right? Mm-hmm. Like, serious, serious chutzpah. And, I mean, I just, I love the attitude. I love the spark. I love what he's done for the whole, you know, Browns organization from top to bottom. You know, and hopefully they go out and get a really good, like, I think, McCarthy is a perfect hire for them. Perfect. And I think I do because, you know, he's because he's a tough guy. He's a Pittsburgh guy, right? And he's not going to take any of, like, Baker's big leaguing because he can go, look, dude, I coached Aaron Rodgers. I've seen great, right? <laughs> like, he can do that mm-hmm. and play that card against Baker Mayfield in a heartbeat. And there's a great amount of trust between – McCarthy and Dorsey, you know, they know each other really well. I just think that that's, to me, that's what Cleveland has to do. And they just got to pay whatever it costs to get McCarthy and, and let him, let him, let him develop Mayfield. Jason, you know, I swear to God, I wish I had more time, but now I have to let you go. Cause we're up against it. Yeah, no problem. Call anytime. You're one of the greatest. Thank you. All right, dude. Talk to you later. Bye. Later. Jason Cole, fan sided editor. Mike McCarthy would be perfect. There is one guy in Arizona right now. What's this guy's name? Bob McManaman, right there, Hick? Bob McManaman. Bob McManaman. Who is the senior sports writer for the Arizona Republic, saying he's also hearing that Mike McCarthy would be the next head coach in Cleveland. All right, we'll bring it up through, later on throughout the show. Maybe you can do it in signing off. Who the hell knows? 855-2124-CBS. Coming up next, who's going to the Super Bowl and who should keep their job? It's hard to make that argument. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio.